Hi, you're listening to What's the Schemata, a schema therapy podcast for therapists. With ISST-accredited schema therapy supervisors and trainers, Chris Hayes and Rob Brockman. For more information on schema therapy, visit our website, schematherapytraining.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast, What's the Schemata? This is the podcast that is focused on the application of schema therapy and I'm here with uh, Robert Brockman. Rob, how are you? Um, I'm well, Chris. I'm really happy to be here today because we we bring um, again from across the other side of the world, our colleagues in the Netherlands. Uh, this time it's Dr. Richard Volk, uh, living and working in Rotterdam uh, in, over in Holland uh, at the Centre for Autism. Uh, we became aware of Richard's work in the last couple of years because he was working with uh, the Dutch group in research and I think also alongside um, Arnold Arntz and, and others, uh, on, in this case on the topic of autism, schema and personality pathology. So uh, welcome, welcome, Richard. Welcome, Richard. Thank you very much. Yes, we're both very excited to have this um, conversation because I don't think there's a week that goes by where, you know, the idea of neurodiversity and autism and schema therapy sort of is brought up. So I know that probably a lot of our listeners are very eager to to hear more from you. I guess what would be good to sort of know a little bit about is um, yeah, where are you and your background and you know sort of what led you into the field. Uh, yes, well, yes, I'm here in Rotterdam in the Netherlands, and uh, I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been for more than uh, 20 years and uh, experienced in uh, uh, doing research and uh, training and uh, clinical work in uh, autism with ad- in adults with autism and uh, uh, working at uh, SAR Autism Rotterdam, that's part of the Panacea Psychiatric Institute in the, uh, in the uh, Netherlands. And I did my, uh, my research projects, as uh, uh, Robert also said, addressed uh, uh, diagnostic assessments, personality and personality pathology, and uh, psychotherapy, and then especially the schema therapy in uh, adults with uh, autism. And yes, last year, 2022, I received my doctoral degree for my dissertation, Adults with Autism Spectrum Disorder, Diagnostic Assessment, Personality, Personality Pathology and Psychotherapy at the University of Amsterdam with Professor Arnold Arns. Yes. I don't know about you, Rob, but I'm very excited. I am. I am. So like Chris was saying... <laughs> You know, Richard, um, a, a day doesn't go by where where I think, um, you know, clients with a sort of neuro, neurodivergent sort of profile um, are coming across in some way, shape or form, whether it's in practice or whether it's at trainings. People are asking us about um, how do you address some of these issues uh, in folks with those sort of traits or those sort of profiles. So we're really happy to, to hear and see when you were doing this very rigorous research. So I guess we just want to learn all about it, you know, from a practice practice perspective, what you've found in practice, but also from the research side of it um, and where it's going. So over to you, Chris. Let's get started. What inspired you to start using schema therapy with individ- individuals, you know, um, you know, with autistic spectrum diagnoses? Yeah, well, well, then I, I, then I think we have to go back to 2007, 2010. That was the period in which I studied uh, postgraduate uh, clinical psychology, 
I've always been very interested in the concept of uh, personality because uh, uh, we human beings, we, we all do have our own and unique uh, personality. That is who we are. And in that period, I uh, was already working with people with autism. And uh, I thought people with autism, like everybody else, and of course, they also have a personality. And at that time, uh, 2007, 2010, only a few studies focused on the personality in, uh, in uh, people with autism. So my colleagues and I, we decided to study temperament and character in adults with uh, autism. And we did that with the uh, uh, TCI, the Temperament Character Inventory from uh, Cloninger. And what we uh, found is uh, we used the TCI, and the TCI is, uh, uh, is an assessment uh, measure, measuring, measuring an assessment measure for temperament character. And it provides a dimensional description uh, of an individual's personality. And mm -hmm. the thing that uh, I was enthusiastic about was that uh, it can, the, the dimensions of TCI can be interpreted in both uh, negative uh, and uh, positive, in a negative and positive way. So what we found, for instance, uh, males with autism they had a low score on novelty seeking, were low novelty seekers. And in a negative uh, way, it meant uh, uh, they can be described as stoic, rigid, uh, reserved, inflexible. But in a positive way, it is that someone with low novelty seeking uh, can be thoughtful, can be uh, not taking impulsive decisions so quickly and uh, will be able to maintain routines or practices, what we uh, regularly see in people with autism. And then I thought people with autism are more than their autism. They also have a personality. Um, we see uh, not only, uh, I hope we not only see at the first place uh, someone with an in social impairment or uh, with social uh, challenges, but also seeing an individual with distinct personality. So by that time, um, and more and more in recent years, we see that autism is also associated with personality and then also personality pathology or personality disorders. And in my education program, I learned for the first time about schema therapy, and I became very uh, enthusiastic about that uh, uh, therapy, uh, about that uh, treatment. So my inspiration to start using schema therapy in uh, adults with autism is, well, there is more evidence uh, of, uh, for schema therapy in uh, people with uh, personality disorders in general. And also in special populations like older like older adults with personality disorders, and then I thought, well, will people with autism be the next group, the next special population for which uh, schema therapy therapy can be an effective uh, treatment? And so that's how we started. To it, it does make me think similar to you. I mean, there's um, often. People get put into a particular, you know, bucket. For example, they have a particular diagnosis, and then you're forgetting about 
the, their personality structure and the, so the different kind of uh, dimensions, seeing someone a little bit more sort of multidimensional rather than just having a particular diagnosis. Not all people that have a particular autistic spectrum diagnosis have had exactly the same personality style and approach. Yeah. It's quite a lucky thing, you know, when you ask people about well, how did this start, it's often a chance encounter or something. So it sounds like you'd been exposed to, through your research and ideas about personality and, and autism profiles, and then you ran into schema and they were saying, well, actually, we can work with the personality. And then you're like, well, okay, well, what can we do with this, right, uh, in working with our population with autism who, of course, also have personalities and some some of them have personality disorders. Yes, yes. I have a new saying. I have a saying. I don't know if I've said it a lot lately, but I feel like I want to say it again. I'm increasingly coming across to the idea that schema therapy is for personalities. And not for personality disorders in specific. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a personality, Rob. <laughs> now, well, I mean, a lot of folks a lot I mean, of people tell me. <laughs> because the research started out with personality yeah. disorders, mm. there is this idea that it's only yeah. for personality disorders. But exactly. the more I work with people, with humans, you realize that we all have schemas and core emotional needs and yeah. ways of coping. Yeah. yeah, if we can get away from the uh, DSM model, mm. uh, 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 away from uh, the, the model of disorders, and think uh, in uh, the way schema therapy has been developed, like thinking uh, uh, in schemas, schema modes. That's, I think, uh, a more gentle way of uh, looking at people without uh, specifically say it's a disorder, but it's mm -hmm. a schema. It's a way of uh, looking at yourself, at others, at the world, and uh, uh, the way you are uh, functioning with it the way you are coping with it uh, yes. so if we if we springboard from this can we ask something about how how the schema therapy you know applied to this population how was it sort of similar or different from um you know regular schema therapy did you have to make any adjustments to the model what did you find yeah well uh, let me say first uh, I think the schema therapy does not differ so much uh, for people with uh, autism compared to uh, uh, people with other uh, disorders or uh, mental challenges. Uh, as I can speak with uh, a quote of uh, Valerie Gauss, uh, she has uh, written a, a, a fantastic book. It's called uh, a Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Adults with Autism. And uh, uh, in her introduction, um, she wrote, the psychotherapist uh, needs to be fluent in what she called aspergeries. Uh, and she means, in other words, uh, we as therapists, we need to recognize that autism is a different way of thinking. And we need to be able to translate the concepts and the components of the therapy to someone uh, with this way of uh, uh, thinking. But, but as I always say, the chair dialogues or the imagery rescripting uh, still uh, stay chair uh, uh, dialogues and uh, imagery rescripting also for people with, uh, uh, with autism. I think the main difference between schema therapy for people with autism and uh, the other 
recently quite common therapies for people with autism. And then you can think about uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, mindfulness, psychoeducation, social skills training. Uh, the main difference is, I, I think, the therapeutic uh, relationship and uh, the schema therapy. Uh, uh, two of the core elements are limited uh, reparenting and, and empathic uh, confrontation. And that's uh, uh, that's a big part that we also use with, uh, uh, how do you say, when we work with uh, uh, people with uh, with autism. Uh, so, I, so it's not that uh, it differs uh, so much, but we have to know some, uh, I always say, some do's and don'ts, uh, which we have to take care of when we work with uh, people with autism. What are they? This is the stuff. Okay, I'm, here we I'm, go. Here we go. Okay, everyone, yeah, get a, grab a pen. Richard's do's yeah, and don'ts. Yeah. <laughs> okay, get a pen. Yeah. Number one. <laughs> Yeah, no. No pressure. Let me, say, let me let me start with, with for several reasons. Uh, I think schema therapy uh, is or might be useful uh, a useful therapy for adults with autism and co-occurring personality disorder. First, because a schema therapy uh, has already been proven as a, a valuable treatment for personality disorders in general. Second, then the therapeutic relationship. Uh, is said it is uh, active, it is uh, consistent, it is supportive, it is directive. Uh, and I think that it, that might be helpful for people with autism who are often uh, characterized by uh, uh, what I thought about the temperament and character uh, inventory. They are often characterized by low self-directedness. And then uh, uh, third, uh, I can say schema therapy is structured and uh, uh, focused. And that's also, I, I guess, suitable for people with autism. Uh, we say schema therapy is step-by-step. Step. It is focused on a team. It is structured by explanation and psychoeducation. And it is goal-directed. And I guess, well, that's uh, beneficial for people with autism. And then, uh, yes, some do's and don'ts is uh, when you are a therapist, first uh, 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 take care of setting clear expectations about uh, the role of the therapist and the uh, client, uh, setting a realistic uh, pace, not in a hurry, uh, taking the time, uh, using language uh, uh, effectively, and say what you uh, mean to say and not uh, in uh, some to say it's uh, words that that's, uh, that are not that concrete and also validating uh, the experience the client's experience uh, when he is uh, doing the chair work when he is in imagery uh, scripting and then when you start first uh, uh, you have to give a lot of psychoeducation of the schema therapy concepts uh, and the specific, specific uh, uh, interventions to set the clear expectations because one of my clients he had uh, uh, yeah he had, he struggled a little bit with the term schema because in his in his uh, mind schema is something totally different than what we uh, as schema therapists uh, call scheme 
Um, and then you, when you, when I was going to say, how did you handle that? How did you handle that? Um, did you come up with another name, or you just persist? Or? Yeah, you can you can use another name. That's uh, totally uh, totally okay. But he also uh, 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 got used to it uh, when we discussed uh, uh, what the term schema is uh, in schema therapy. So it's not that uh, he he could not use uh, uh, he could not get used to the term schema in in terms of schema therapy, but uh, it was. Uh, it was not automatically uh, taking it for granted that schema is uh, what we call uh, in schema therapy a schema. So uh, a longer time to get used to it, I guess. And then uh, when you have done an intervention, it is also helpful to explain and to discuss in detail uh, what has been done in that uh, intervention and what it means in the here and now situation for the clients. I, I, I can imagine you will also do that uh, for uh, clients uh, without autism, with other uh, psychological challenges. But for people with autism, uh, it can be useful to, to really take time and to discuss in detail what we have done and what it means for your here and now situation. So and then, I guess would that would that be countering, you know, I, I guess um, some presentations that are very literal, you know. So, for example, if you're having imagery rescripting exercise and your person potentially could respond, you know, well, that didn't happen. That my childhood wasn't like that. Taking in a very ritual kind of black and white way, being explaining to them the rationale behind why you're trying to do it. That is that that's that's the kind of the the key point there. You're being yeah, yeah. Well, well, for instance, I, yeah, for instance, I had a, uh, a client, and uh, uh, we were in the uh, imagery rescripting, and he said, "Well, uh, he had a feeling of, of uh, an actual feeling of frustration." And we said, "Well, can we do it in an imagery rescripting and uh, stay with that feeling of frustration?" And uh, can you? Uh, imagine a situation when you were a child and when you, uh, there was also kind of uh, frustration feelings. Mm. And then he said, well, uh, now I am an adult, so uh, I yeah. cannot look back uh, in my younger years as uh, uh, when I was frustrated. Um, he said, uh, 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 the feeling, he said, well, uh, uh, I can speak about myself when I was a younger child because I have heard from it, but I cannot feel it. And I said, well, that's okay, go on. And then yeah. what, do you, uh, uh, what, do, what, do, what did you have mm. heard about it? And then he said, well, no, no, that's not good enough because schema therapy is a therapy that you have to feel. So I have to feel, I have to feel. I said, no, that's okay. So that's <laughs> also, I guess, yeah. that's also, I guess, um, one of the rigidity is a sort of yeah, yeah but it, it's uh, what I wanted to say about the schema therapy it's so nice that in schema therapy as a therapist you can be very creative you can be yeah. in, in, in a kind of way easygoing and uh, let it happen so mm -hmm. um, not uh, uh, that you're not as a therapist uh, get frustrated yourself because oh he's not feeling he cannot feel uh, uh, 
he cannot experience it when when he was a little child he cannot mm. uh, get that image uh, uh, in the in the intervention but be creative be open and uh, let it come if we know that people with autism are more used to uh, uh, to uh, how do you say it Cogn uh, uh, in a cognitive way uh, yeah. thinking about themselves or others then well that's okay uh, let it be and uh, let's see uh, uh, what you can do with it uh, and also after the intervention can you discuss it what it means uh, uh, for someone and it can that can also be uh, be helpful that's 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 okay yeah that's okay. I mean, not I notwithstanding this, this um, what you're saying, the more comfortable staying cognitive. Um, have you had success in the in the study uh, engaging with the, the vulnerable child and these kind of feelings and and you know punitive critic? Uh, you know, have you had I, any I, success? I will, I will I will answer that question, but before uh, let me say about uh, a client of me. He was 50 years old, and what he said. Um, he said, I want to improve dealing with people and social situations. And he said, I want to learn uh, a better fit in a social context. He said, I want to learn new interaction patterns by cognition and by more cognitive knowledge. He said in technical terms, I want to know how I can improve procedural social skills by using cognitive uh, uh, knowledge. And he said, well, acquiring more knowledge about social interaction, it is possible for him by reading books, following training uh, in, a in a cognitive way, he says, and with practical exercises, he said, that's what, uh, uh, what I need. He said uh, his autism is part of his personality and he wanted to take advantage of his strong, uh, what do you say, strong personality traits to solve his uh, impairments. He says, I will keep a social blindness, but by cognitive learned and exercised skills and insights, uh, uh, he said, I can improve myself on functioning. <laughs> so that, that's what I just explained about uh, how you can cope with uh, uh, when a client says, well, I cannot feel, but uh, also this client, uh, he cannot feel, but uh, in a cognitive way, uh, he had, uh, uh, as you say, he, he had found a, a lot of um, uh, more improvement in his functioning. Yeah, and then what you you you, you asked uh, Robert about what we have found in uh, in our uh, in our study. Well, well we maybe we can pause. Maybe we can pause for a second. I'm sorry because the conversation moved a little bit, but let's hold that this this, this idea of can we engage them emotionally? But what, you, what you've been saying here is like just go with what, what you can work with initially. Some of these guys are uh, very much working well on the cognitive channel and the behavioral channel and not to get too frustrated and just go with it in the beginning and see how far you can go. They're very uh, pragmatic. Yes, I guess so. Yes, very pragmatic. And, and well... Uh... Uh, uh, I can also give some examples, but maybe later, I don't know, but uh, uh, some examples about the imagery scripting uh, in which we've, uh, we also have 
seeing that uh, the, uh, the, the individual with autism uh, also experienced really uh, some uh, uh, emotions, some feelings, and uh, uh, that's that's also uh, a possibility. But uh, well, what our- I'm picking up on as well from talking with you as well is it's it feels like the model there might be some changes in the way you formulate things, and um, you know the way that you you probably tolerate or you you become more uh, accommodating and understanding of um, people's presentations, but it's not reinventing the schema therapy wheel per se. Am I am I right in picking that up? I get the feeling the core principles, the core the core approach isn't that divergent, but it's knowing yeah. all these extra. Yes, kind of components true. that are very important too. That you know, that's might, does that yeah. feel right to you? Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, that not only for the schema therapy. That's also if we think about the uh, the cognitive uh, uh, behavioral therapy. That uh, uh, in in that kind of therapy, you also use the interventions that are meant for a specific uh, disorder like depression but we uh, so also for people with autism with depression but we have to think about some uh, uh, elements in how you uh, interact with uh, uh, with them and how you translate as Valerie yeah. Gauss also how you translate these these concepts and in Australia Erin uh, Boulos, she uh, de- uh, developed uh, what is called a schema therapy modified for autism spectrum conditions model. Mm-hmm. And that's in one of her papers. And it's uh, this model, it provides a framework uh, and is an extension for the regular schema therapy elements in which uh, autism driven uh, coping responses and autism-specific needs are incorporated and uh, conceptualized. So this model provides uh, uh, examples of how some people with autism cope with their uh, autistic features uh, living in a neurotypical world and using the schema therapies originally developed to describe how people can uh, uh, dysfunctionally cope with maladaptive schema activation uh, by uh, what we say by surrendering, avoiding, and uh, uh, overcompensating. And then she, in her article, for example, uh, the eye contact, that's one of the main, uh, uh, that's one of the features of uh, autism. And then she says, well, the coping response of uh, uh, surrendering uh, for uh, the tendency of limited uh, eye contact is, for instance, staring uh, at the floor or uh, st- uh, staring past people. And then the coping response for overcompensating is focusing too much on making eye contact or uh, staring at times. And then uh, an avoidant coping uh, response is avoiding situations involving face-to-face interactions resulting in isolation uh, or or mainly having contact by email. 
so that's a new way. I guess it's a, it's a, um, um, I think more uh, uh, mm. uh, paper in how we can uh, uh, see the schema therapy elements also uh, be uh, eligible for uh, for people with uh, autism. And then uh, mm. at last, uh, the autism specific, specific needs she describes as, uh, for instance, in therapy also, the freedom to focus on interests, uh, to uh, uh, stable, reliable base for a routine, for predictability, and for sameness in that therapy. And the, and the therapist can uh, give space for all these kind of uh, uh, elements yeah so erin bullis is is from adelaide i believe it's one of our colleagues yeah Chris, she's still in yeah, adelaide yeah, absolutely so that's so interesting and and i um she'd written this paper and it, it, did this paper affect your research you know were you incorporating these ideas into into your this, test this paper, yeah yeah this paper did not uh um this paper was from uh, 2019 and our research started at uh, 2016 2017 so we were already finished when we uh, discovered uh, that uh, that that paper particular paper yeah mm. that particular oh. paper uh, yes yes but you know i know this is um you know, we kind of uh, give you a bit of an idea about the questions that we're going to ask, but we sort of we want to sort of pick your brains and get an idea. Are there particular modes that are uh, p- particularly evident, you know, or a particular formulation that you often will see? I mean, I automatically have a you know a couple, but I'd be interested to to hear from you. What are, what are the main coping modes for the client that is on? Yeah, the- well. Yeah, the, the, well, the, the 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 most and the the main uh, coping modes are the uh, uh, punitive uh, uh, parents, the demanding parents, and uh, 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 the how do you say the vulnerable the the vulnerable child yeah. mode, and also uh, 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 I cannot come up to the words the the coping modes of. Uh, uh, avoiding uh, how 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 do we say that in, in a detached English? protector kind of a, yes. avoidant Sorry. avoidant protector avoidant detached protector, protector. Yeah. Yeah. yeah these kind of yes these kind of uh, these kind of modes yeah. you know next to uh, uh, what we have uh, done uh, in research for uh, in schema therapy for adults with autism there uh, I can also mention there's a group I've, I've uh, the uh, I call them the Japan group. Uh, with uh, Oshima, uh, they have also written several papers about schema therapy and autism, and also about uh, the uh, the cognitive the cognitive schemas in uh, non-autistic individuals, but uh, uh, also with uh, administering uh, some. Uh, autism uh, measures and uh, well they found in these uh, in the in this population that non-autistic individuals with high scores on uh, autism measures they also had high scores on uh, uh, mostly all 
uh, all the, uh, the cognitive schemes. Would you see? Would you see? My, you know, you know, um, a, a, some sort of obsessive over controller or some sort of over control schema, or is it a mo sorry modes, or is it mainly the detached avoidant type of presentation? I'm just, you know, thinking of a couple of clients of mine. Like, does that ever come into the into the formulation, or is it more about avoidance, detachment, disconnection of you know this sort of thing? It's, uh, it's it's all what you say, and uh, uh, but uh, also yeah, what I also say the 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 punitive and the demanding. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like that. That's quite quite strong. These that's are a, very. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These are these are very uh, uh, very strict, mm. and well, uh, mm. yes, these are yeah, these are very more or very strict. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Are they roughly the same sort of um, vibe? As in neurotypical people, you get we talk about the punitive critic, maybe the demanding critic, maybe something like guilt-inducing critic. Do we get similar sort of critic flavor uh, in your neurodivergent populations? Well, I guess so. As I as I can say, one of my clients, she had the the punitive and the demanding uh, uh, parent mode. And that was that was because in her, she now thinks she she's uh, criticizing herself constantly. She thinks she is stupid. She she thinks uh, she can't do anything uh, right, um, and that she is not normal because of her uh, autism. And then. Mm. That is because uh, what she uh, she says her parents in her childhood they constantly said to her uh, uh, you are not good enough you will never be good enough uh, mm. uh, you act not normal uh, why do you not understand what I what we are saying yeah. please behave so that makes uh, sense like in yeah. a in a in a neurotypical family this kind of feedback would be under you know you can understand. The parents are frustrated and they're saying these things because they expect yeah. something from like a neurotypical child. So they weren't understanding. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. I've got a little yeah, story for you. For nobody, it is. I always say, for nobody, it is okay. For not for a child, not for an adult, it is okay that you constantly get mm. criticisms like this. That other people are so frustrated that they uh, criticize you. So, uh, and especially as a child, when you have to hear this yeah. for year, years and years, then yeah, then we can imagine this will do something with your with the development of your uh, character, with your personality, yeah. and also for a child with autism. You know the the, the core elements. Uh, uh, of the autism in a child is is mainly the impairments and the challenge the challenges in social interaction, not knowing how to mm. contact, and then uh, with that or beside that, uh, you get uh, you you will be criticized, and then you uh, can also develop uh, how do you say that another personality with. 
a healthy uh, uh, image, a healthy ideas about how you think about yourself or, or others, for instance. Yep. Yeah. So in, in that environment, it's almost certain that someone would develop a strong critic, like a strong punitive critic. Yes. Being well, criticised for every little thing and not being understanding about about mm -hmm. about the neurodiversity. It makes complete sense. Mm. Mm -hmm. the, yes. I have a little question for you, Richard, or, or maybe something to interact around because it's on this topic. I've had, a, 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 I won't say a few, I'll say a couple of cases where the, di the diagnosis, the adult diagnosis was very, was very illuminating for the client in terms of their critic, where um, almost overnight, once they realized there was a reason, there's nothing wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I, I was just neurodiverse. My parents didn't understand. You know, mm -hmm. and all of this feedback they had. I've had a couple of cases where the, the critic, I won't say disappeared, but wow, there was a big impact on the person's mm. on the level of self-criticism. Mm -hmm. Going through the going through the process of um neuroaffirming diagnosis and education. Mm -hmm. Um, that was really blowing me away, you know, in a couple of times mm -hmm. because cases where I'd been doing a lot of critic work with the traditional techniques. And then going, seeing going them go through this process, you know, maybe having picked up the diagnosis now. Um, yeah, have you noticed similar patterns? Have you noticed this well, kind yes. of thing? Yes, for sure. Yes, yeah, yeah. If, if I may uh, give an example of the 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 woman I just told about that uh, her parents criticizes her constantly, um, I said to her in uh, in our uh, therapy, well. She had followed uh, a psychoeducation program and she had followed contact group uh, at our autism center. And then she discovered, because her, her diagnosis of autism was, <coughs> she was diagnosed with autism at an uh, adult age. And uh, through these pro programs, she discovered that people with autism also have uh, uh, qualities. And her... Um, one of her qualities was uh, that she was an expert on Dutch language, giving uh, lessons to uh, mm. teaching immigrant people mm. uh, in the Dutch uh, language. And I, I proposed, well, uh, can we do uh, some chair a chair dialogue with you to make your healthy adult, which she also ha has some uh, good qualities in her, but to make the healthy adult even more stronger, even stronger. Uh, and that she could take care of her vulnerability and that she could silence her uh, punitive and demanding uh, uh, parents. So I took three chair chairs and I said, well, here's one for the punitive but demanding parents, here's one for the vulnerable child, and here's one for the healthy adults. And then uh, she says, well, the uh, I asked her, in, in which chair do you like to start? And then she said, well, uh, the punitive demanding parent is constantly uh, putting me down. Uh, I'm not good enough. So that feels so painful uh, that I do not want to take place in the uh, demanding, uh, uh, the punitive demanding parents. And she says, well, I'm also, I feel uh, so much, so, so many times vulnerable, I also do not want to take place in that chair. 
but she says, I will give it a try in the a healthy adult chair. And I said, well, that's, that's, that's great. And, <laughs> um, uh, well, I take a seat and then, uh, what will you say? And then she said in a, in a very soft way and a little bit cautiously, she says, it's okay to have autism because people with autism also have capabilities and qualities. Uh, I do have my Dutch language and also restoration of dolls, what she, uh, what she has. And she says, I'm pretty good at it and people appreciate what I do. And then I said, well, well done. Uh, uh, maybe say it again because the uh, punitive demanding parent is uh, very strong. And then, well, she, uh, for the second time in the healthy uh, adult uh, chair, she uh, did say the same sentences, but then with with a little bit more action. And then uh, I said, well, can you do it again? And, uh, and she did it for four times. And then uh, at the fourth time, uh, she ended with, this is it. And I said, well, this is it. Nice. Look at how you uh, sit in this chair. It was from what I say, she started cautiously, she started uh, softly, and then uh, uh, she was sitting with more power. Mm. And that's what we have done for uh, several times, constantly from uh, the chair dialogue, constantly from the healthy adult mode to uh, let her experience a little bit more power and uh, speaking to her uh, punitive demanding uh, parents. And uh, later on in the in other sessions, uh, it was not only uh, we, we did not have to speak to the, she did not have to speak to the punitive demanding parent mode, but then we could start also to be uh, speaking in a gentle way yeah. to her vulnerable child and that's that's what she did yes what i'm yes. picking up on is is it's kind of like um i guess rob and me about this chat before about sometimes going after the critic mode is is kind of like bringing that to the foreground and working with that can be really essential and it seems like it, you know the scheme of perspective it sounds like we're trying to you know, be compassionate to our strengths and limitations and kind of see where the punitive critic kind of is um, impacting on someone's quality of life, you know, and their sense of self-acceptance of these, these, you know, um, strengths and limitations if they're functioning. Is that, I mean, I know, I know how you feel about this, Rob, but we've talked a bit about this, how sometimes it's, it's worth going after the punitive critic. Where is the punitive critic in this kind of... Um, Rather, because often I can imagine clients like this, they wouldn't necessarily come and you know be overtly necessarily speaking mm. about the the private you know sort of uh, shame that they might be talking feeling. about the critic. Yeah, I mean, I, I have another saying, Richard, based on this. It's called "All roads lead to the critic," and so I wonder how much that might be in your work in working with people um, with neurodiversity. How much is the critic involved in their suffering? Well. I think uh, a lot mm. because we also know um, uh, the, the most common co-occurring uh, diagnosis next to autism 
is uh, depression and uh, anxiety disorders, and then especially social anxiety disorders. And we can imagine it, uh, especially for the uh, uh, people with autism and uh, at least uh, normal uh, intelligence, because they uh, they do have uh, social communication impairments, but they also do see uh, what they cannot reach in contact, uh, how how they sometimes feel in contact. Yeah, and that's understandable. That can lead to uh, feelings of depression, feelings of anxiety. I'm not good enough. I'm doing it not quite well. Uh, other people don't like me. Uh, yeah, that's uh, so. Uh, uh, it it can become uh, uh, an internalized perspective of. Um, I'm not good enough, and I have to uh, to do my uh, uh, best. And that's also in the autism world. We do have some uh, theories theories about uh, uh, camouflaging, and especially uh, compensation uh, uh, compensation that people, and especially people with autism and normal intelligence, they are. Uh, trying to compensate uh, what uh, their social challenges trying to to to, mm. uh, to work as hard as they can to uh, to act normal to to be normal and that's yeah that can mm. be a real struggle for uh, a lot so of So that's them. so interesting though Richard because the idea you know the the maybe the misnomer of people with autism is that they are not maybe not interested in the social world or not driven by social needs. But what you're saying, I think, runs contrary. Because, yeah, that's, not, that's not true. Right? That's because the critic, true. the critic is, yes. it's a sort of, well, part of the, the role of the critic is to internalise the social world, right? Yes. So, so yes. they're getting the messages from the environment and expectations. So yes. they are very much driven by this. Yes. And if, if I may uh, uh, add... Uh, here in the Netherlands, uh, as I already said, Professor Arns, but also Professor uh, Rijkeboer, in uh, 2021, they came up with a proposal to uh, add two emotional needs to the original five core needs that we know from the schema therapy, and then uh, leading to three new early maladaptive uh, schemas. And then uh, if you listen to what they have called these schemas, uh, lack of a coherent identity, lack of a meaningful world, and unfairness. And well, I can imagine these three, these three can play uh, uh, a huge or an important role in the lives of uh, children and uh, adults with autism as well. Yeah. So maybe that's also for uh, for the the future uh, to see uh, how this plays a role in the in the functioning of uh, people with autism, and if these concepts will also be can also be uh, part in the therapy of uh, of people with autism. We'll yeah. include that a paper in the show notes so people can access that along with your. If I may say so, there's also in uh, Germany in 2018 already, but that's a German uh, article, but there's a, an English, uh, a short English uh, summary, 
and I also found it. It it was a uh, 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 the paper is about a schema therapy informed social interaction training uh, for uh, individuals with uh, uh, autism, and uh, it is said uh, to reduce the complexity of social interactions by teaching the individuals with autism to identify schema coping behavior in their non-autistic uh, interaction uh, partners and to learn how to respond to them. So that's also a nice uh, uh, well, that's idea. That's interesting. It's almost like use, yes, getting these folks to learn the model, a bit yes. like your guy, not so much necessarily to work on his own stuff, but was like to use theory of mind about social interactions. You know, so they they can understand the the needs yeah. and the feelings of others. Yes, that's true. Yes, mm, that's kind of interesting. So, if you share some of these articles, uh, Richard, we'll put them up. But um, yes. this is a really fascinating topic, and I think I think um, particularly since we saw your research, because then it becomes something like more empirically validated. So, you know, again, congratulations on all the hard work on that, and yeah, a big contribution to the community. Um, Massively. So thank you. We know how it takes many years to run a study and all those things. So it, it, thank you. It's so very much. true, and I think that's very understated. I mean that you you've obviously done some very very difficult work, you know, long term work with challenging circumstances. So yeah, I think it's the. But community. what we think we'll do. You've mentioned Aaron Bullis. Um, We know some other folks around, particularly in Australia, but maybe overseas as well. I think this might end up being a little bit of a an on ongoing series within the podcast will go to other folks too who have been applying the model um, now that we've heard from you in doing the research and and keep this keep this thing happening and just keep talking to folks about about their experiences applying the model with divergent populations so uh thanks for inspiring some of that um richard um well, thank I, you very much yeah. it's, it was a pleasure to be here with you and uh, that, that I can uh, express some uh, of my experiences and uh, the, the, the research findings of schema therapy for this uh, specific uh, uh, group. Because I think uh, uh, people with autism, autism, they also deserve um, uh, more specific treatments, not only for their uh, autism challenges, but also for co-occurring uh, personality pathology, personality uh, challenges. Yes. Yep. And what I think I'm hearing today loud and clear is, is that we can and should offer schema treatment to these folks. Yeah, I think we have to discover a lot more uh, in, uh, in schema therapy because uh, that this is one of the first uh, times that we uh, examine the uh, schema therapy. So a lot of more studies uh, are welcome. To see if uh, uh, if we can really benefit from uh, schema therapy for uh, people with autism, but for now, the the uh, the results are uh, and not only uh, my res our results, but also from the Japan the group, group from Japan. Yep. Yes, uh, the, the the results are promising. Yes. Excellent. Well, look, Richard, thank you for your time today and. Hopefully those that um, are listening to this have enjoyed the last hour and we'll be again joining you for some What's the Schemata. See you later, Rob. See you, guys. See you, Richard. See you Richard. Thanks, Thanks again. Bye-bye. Thank you.